Hello and welcome back to Take 10 for Men, 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health. My name is Sophia Hatzis. I'm the host of the show and today we have a very special guest in Tim Blackwell. Nova's Drive host and ACRA award winner Tim Blackwell is one of the most positive, down-to-earth, humble people you will ever meet. He's been in radio for 20 years and he still to this day loves what he does. He gets excited to go to work every day and jump on air with Kate Ritchie and Joel Creasy to host Nova's national drive show, Kate, Tim and Joel. But with great ratings comes great responsibility and of course, great pressure. So what's it like being in the spotlight and hosting a show that's sitting pretty at number one? Tim tells us how he handles the pressure with his co-hosts, how he's managing in lockdown with three kids under 10, and why spending time with his mates is an absolute non-negotiable for his mental health. I really hope you enjoy this one. Please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and leave a review so that more people can find out about the podcast. And remember to take 10 and check on the man you love today. Enjoy the chat. Tim, I'm going to start by saying welcome to Take 10 for Men. Thank you so much for joining me today on your busy schedule. I really, really appreciate it. First question I try to ask the guests for this show is when I say, how are you? To rate yourself, if you could, on a scale of one to 10. So one being the lowest of lows and 10 being the highest of highs. Can you yeah. tell me where you might sit on that scale today? I think I'm a, a permanent seven, but today might be a six and a half, maybe even, I know, but maybe a permanent eight, but today might be a, a seven because I'm homeschooling two children. I, that, that's why I made our appointment so specific. You wanted to catch up at 1230. I'm like, can it be 1240? Like that's kind of where my life's at at the moment with like, can I make appointments for one uh, seventeen until one uh, thirty, please. You kind of get to be with the kids in the morning, and then take them off to school, and then you've got this a couple of hours to yourself to either prep for the show or do something for you. Like I've just started seeing a personal trainer, as you can tell, I'm ripped. Um, you know, you you probably ought to notice that in the field you're in. Yeah. So you know, normally the mornings are kind of a, a bit of me time before I come in here and do the show. But having an eight year old, a six year old, and a two year old, and two of the oldest ones homeschooling with the current lockdown. I'm kind of at that stage now where I'm getting to work and I'm like ah, falling in a little bit of a heap and coming in here to relax and speak to adults like yourself. So, uh, yeah, I'd say a seven today, but I'm permanently a pretty positive person. How has lockdown been for you and for Mon, sort of having to navigate that whole palaver? Luckily for me, I'm deemed an essential service. Um, I don't know how that is um, relevant, but I am. And because I kind of control the desk and stuff, I actually have to come in like I'm not working from home. So I, I love lockdown because I do get to leave home still. So I'm very aware that uh, for my wife and the kids and also everybody else maybe watching, the leaving home isn't an option. Um, so I, I know how even just mentally that is to get out of the house um, and to be with people who we are all working with each other respectfully and stuff as opposed to in a homeschooling environment and whatever else, the respect goes out the window. And see, so the last lockdown for Sydney was only about six weeks, but we only had one child at school there. Now we've got two. So homeschooling two on two different devices, two different teachers, two different two different people, basically. One, my daughter who wants to learn and wants to do the right thing. And one, my six-year-old son who couldn't think of anything he'd rather do less than sitting on a Zoom class, which is fair enough. He's a six-year-old boy. So 
it's been a bit tougher. But again, I'm in at work and I'm talking to you and that's my saviour at the moment, coming in here and seeing everybody and, and then I get to go home again. You are mm. surely Nova's longest serving employee, 20 years at Nova, not just 20 years in the industry, 20 years at Nova. I wanted to ask you, what is the greatest lesson that you've learned in that time? So starting in 2001 to now, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned on air or even off air that you'd like to share with us today? Like the, the lucky thing for me in that 20 years, and you say 20 years at Nova, I haven't been kind of walking in and sitting at the same desk for 20 years. I've moved around the country. I've, I feel like I've had about 20 jobs in that 20 years. But um, like I said yes to everything when I was young. I just did everything. Like I just put it all into the career, all into the job. I moved I moved to Perth, but I've never even been to Perth to visit. I remember the plane hitting the tarmac and I've never been there and I knew I'd sign a two-year contract. Like I just kind of put my faith in the, in the company and I, I kind of always felt, if I give you, if I give you my all, I expect kind of that back. And and I and I I know I've been one of the lucky ones in that in that regard. But I guess like what I love now is, in a weird way, with a national radio show, technically there's more pressure on us. But I've never felt more relaxed because I'm I'm not letting anything get to me anymore. I, I bring it back to the kids as well. You, you realize when you walk through that door at six o'clock at night, they haven't listened to a word you've said on air. Um, but I, you just knocked straight back in down. And I don't want to say even down to earth where you should be. It, it's, it's so nice to have the, the kind of best of both worlds. So I'm really chilled out now. I maybe wasn't so chilled out at the start, but then I think that was a good thing. Like if I was too chilled out at the start, maybe I wouldn't be here now to tell you that I'm chilled out now. <laughs> yeah. So I liked the balance. I kind of was a bit of a nerd alert, put 110% into everything at work. And now I kind of don't, give my all like I used to but I think that's probably for the benefit of the radio show but with a big audience comes obviously a great spotlight and I want to ask you a little bit how you manage that pressure but it sounds like you don't feel the pressure look it was pretty we we knew when Marty announced he was leaving we we knew that I mean this show is one of those radio is great right probably 95 percent of the audience blink and they forget who any of us are in a week you know but there's that real hardcore five percent who are the ones that get in touch with you on the socials they text the show they call the show and obviously they're the only ones you read so you think in your stupid little head that that five percent is everyone and you think everyone cares they don't care no one cares the beauty of the media is that like you think it's all so important and then it stops and you realize it's not um, so we knew um, that the first probably week or two of announcing Marty's replacement versus then announcing Joel Creasy starting, it'd be a hectic couple of weeks on social media. And we weren't wrong. Um, I guess the great thing is, I mean, Joel's 30, but still been around for a while. The three of us kind of knew we'd made the right call. Um, we also knew that Marty was a huge part of the show um, and we didn't ever dis- discount that. It's not like he's kind of dead to us or anything. So we all just kind of helped each other through it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure Joel had pretty shit days reading Instagram stuff and he handled it incredibly well because as I said to him, people love this show. And I, I guess that's the greatest compliment. I mean, if people didn't care, you'd be probably more upset about it. So the fact that people were, but then, you know, it, it took job maybe a week. There was some bad comments and then the comments stopped. And then all of a sudden in two or three weeks to use something that Lee Sales would say, it's just people's new normal. And 
we we knew it uh, was a new sound and that's another reason why we were so keen to get Joel on board. There was no point trying to replace Marty with a Marty light. Um, and so, yeah, we all, we all just knew what we were getting into and we helped each other through it and here we are. And we, yeah, it's fantastic. It's almost like I've been doing this show now for 10 years. That's what it really feels like. It's been great. We're all almost sometimes a bit too busy to sit around all day looking at Instagram, which I think is the benefit because at the start when we we're all young and thankfully when I started, there was no Instagram and, and not even any Facebook, I don't think. Um, you kind of, yeah, you'd be kind of just going over all that stuff all the time. But I guess because we're all so busy, this is a part of our life. This isn't our life. Um, so I think that helps you kind of get through it too and not take things so seriously. I'm really curious about what you see as being a good man and how you want to raise your boys. So can you tell me a little bit about the values that you want to instill in, in them and how you envisage they would be a good man? Um, when we had our daughter, I kind of thought, yeah, that makes sense. I'm the father of a girl. And I thought maybe if we have another girl, uh, another baby, it will be a girl too. And I'm really comfortable with that. I'm really cool with that. Also, because a lot of my friends who are old, have older children said, the girl will look after you forever. Like, they'll be around you forever. So it's not set and forget, but my relationship with my daughter kind of felt much more natural. Whereas um, my boys, especially my, my middle child, Alfie, who's six, who's just so emotionally intense as well, straight away made me realize kids are, like, kids are all the same. It doesn't matter a boy or girl. They, they, they start out so sensitive. They start out full of emotion. They start out full of energy and full of dreams and full of sadness. And so they're exactly the same. So I'm, I, I'm thankful my boys, though, have a, will have an older sister because I kind of always felt I would love an older sister. And I think having Bo in the house as well as my lovely wife as well, though there's still two women in the house too. So we're not, it's not one of these stinky boys' houses that's being overrun. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm really excited to have Bo there. Like my, my daughter started um, – sorry, my son started school this year. And my daughter's there. And so she has already stepped up and is helping him out. Like, like I love my sport and I love my, I, I love all my kind of manly pursuits, I guess, but not to the point where like my boys haven't watched a single game of football with me yet. And I thought maybe before I had kids that would have hurt my feelings, but it doesn't. He's just, my, they're just not into footy yet, whether they ever are. I don't, kind of don't care. I just want them to be good people, but I, I think that's what we want for all our, our children, boy or girl. But I think the raising of the boys is the one I think about the most. Um, whereas I think having the girl felt a little bit more automatic for me. You're a really positive person and you've got high energy and you're extroverted and you're just super on. But I'd really love to know the work that you do behind the scenes to be able to be that person because you would have to, I suppose, like have a bit of time for yourself as well to be able to give yourself to others. What do you yeah, do to yeah. manage your own mental health and well-being on a day-to-day basis? So there's some non-negotiables that you just have to have. Well, socially that is a big one. Like uh, my wife and I have this, it's almost a bit unwritten really. We just never really tell each other what to do. Like, I, I have a very healthy relationship with a lot of friends. I have a lot of different groups of friends too. I think the great thing about the job that I do is, you know, I've got friends who are pushing their late fifties. I've also got friends who are in their early twenties. Um, some of them are in the media, some of them work in music, some of them are chefs, some of them are sports people, some of them are accountants and I see all of them and regularly. And I, I'm so lucky that my, it's not, yeah, I, we hate the word let, but, 
my partner and I, like if, if she says, I want to, I'm, I'm seeing Rachel tonight for dinner or whatever. I'm like, great. It's not this. Can I do this in three weeks? And I do notice a lot of that with not necessarily my friends, because I think a lot of my friends are very similar and that's why we get along. But a lot of people who really go to work and go home and go to work and go home and look after the kids and go to work and go home and like, that sucks. <laughs> like that's not normal. Um, but, you know, I go to Splendor in the Grass every year. I go to Meredith every year. And then there's some people that go, I think it's too old for music festivals anymore. I'm like, you're joking. One of the people I go with is 52. And another person I go with is, you know, 21. And we all have the greatest time ever. And then you come back. So not that's, I know that's not a fitness answer, but mentally I've got a really, really full social life, but also not at the expense of my children or my wife. I have a very full life socially with them too. My uh, GP said, you do get it. You do have to get your cardio, like your cardio up a little bit. And so I, I have this year started with a personal trainer. I had a session today and I'm trying to do two a week. So I'm trying to keep myself physically fit now too. Um, but yeah, the, the, the seeing my mates and being able to regularly check in with friends to a lot of people sounds really selfish, but I reckon is so crucially important. Um, so that's a huge part of my life. The last question, Tim, that I want to ask, and it's a question that I ask everyone before we say goodbye, gratitude is really fundamental to positive mental health and to well-being. So I always ask, what are you most grateful for today? So, Tim, to finish off, what are you most grateful for today? Today, specifically today. Well, firstly, that I'm, I've stopped teaching year three maths. Very grateful for that. <laughs> Got to go to work. I, I know it's, I know it sounds corny. I've wanted to be on radio my entire life and I still get excited driving into work, the fact that I get to do radio and then come home to a, an incredibly supportive family who have really helped me achieve that. Um, but no, very grateful for um, my colleagues who let us put this show together every day with, with just no stress and um, just all the support in the world. And yeah, then at six o'clock being, being home and having one of the three children run up to me like a puppy, the youngest one still runs up and gives me a hug. And it's still the, the best part of the day really when Artie drops whatever he does and just thumps up the hallway and runs into my arm. So that happens every single day after work. And that's pretty huge still. I wanted to, I'll let you go now, but I wanted to say a huge thank you, obviously, for joining me today. I know you've got a super busy schedule and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.